Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast, where we take a look at life and leadership and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And uh, we are thrilled uh, to be coming back to you. We took a little week break yeah. uh, and uh, and we're dealing with some things. And uh, now we are back at you and looking forward to sharing with you. My name is Chad Ozy. I am joined, as always, by Jeff Cross. How are you doing today, Jeff? Yes, sir. I'm doing very, very well. Uh, as anybody keeps track of me, oops, social media, uh, had my parade with my parade float, you know, and... Y'all are probably looking at it going, mm, it's a combination between a boat and a spaceship because <laughs> it's wrapped in foil. But I had a great time doing that and uh, got my whole family involved and spent a good week doing that. So, yeah, when Chad said we had a few things to take care of, you know, he he, he texted me. You know, I was like, hey, can we record? I'm like, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm busy <laughs> with making the float. I'm a little tied up. So I apologize. It is it's. Probably a hundred percent my fault that uh, we didn't get something out last week because you know I had a good time. So follow me on social media on Facebook and Instagram and stuff and TikTok because those are the videos are on there. Chad, was you were at the parade? Buddy. I was at the parade. Yes, I was. I have video of uh, of your parade coming at us and you yelling at us from the megaphone That's as we right. were going and the whole bit. I, I think I said uh, this is a first place float all day every yes. day or something. Yes, something like that. And just so y'all know, unofficially. Jeff was the first place float winner by default. <laughs> there now, I think there was one other entry in the parade that might have been considered a float. Yeah, the Democrat Party <laughs> had a wagon yeah. with signs all over the side of it, and people riding in the back of it, waving, throwing candy. So sure. I do think that qualifies mm. as a float. <laughs> But it's really just more of a wagon, yeah. you know. It's just kind of a, a wagon carrying people. Nobody put the effort into their float that Jeff did. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. And it rained. It did rain. It. I mean, it rained more than I ever thought it could rain on a parade day. You know, they always say you're not going to rain on my parade. Well, it rained on my parade. <laughs> it totally rained on my parade. And uh, my mother-in-law, who's 87, she she called me or we contacted each other on the morning of. She's like. I just don't want to be out in the rain, you no. Know? And I was real saddened because, you know, one of the things that reasons I did that was to kind of bring family together. And then she didn't want to go out, so it's okay. But um, 
all the rest of my family and my extended family, they were there. They were they were muscling through it. We had umbrellas. We had so I don't know if you noticed, but we had a bunch of umbrellas. But we had uh, we had we had brought nine umbrellas from our house. You have nine umbrellas. That's in your exactly house? what my friend said. Like for four what? people. Well, no, no. We and had now more. there aren't even four there now. No, no. There's more than. Oh, you mean four people in our house? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to get at. It's the reason we have nine. They're all crystal clear. You can see through them. Is back in COVID when my daughter got married. Oh, we couldn't get married right. inside. But she got married outside. So my wife, being the uh, the frugal person she is, found a, found a great deal on Amazon and ordered. We we only brought nine. I think we have close to fifteen okay. umbrellas that just in case it rained to cover the wedding party. Oh yeah, and we ended up not needing those, but we still had them. So literally, we're ripping the tags off these umbrellas <laughs> on parade day just to try and keep everybody dry. But it was a a super fun. And I don't know. I don't think I shared the video with you, but I can tell you this: when I first said it to all the family. They're all like, oh, yeah, maybe this sounds like fun, you know. And then the more I stayed excited about it, the more everyone else got excited about it, the more people were, were plugging into it. So and, and I, you've heard me say this before. Everything is contagious. And that became contagious. People were very anxious to try it and, and looking forward to it. So if you're trying to get someone involved in, in something you're interested in, too, officiating, umpiring, baseball, refereeing, basketball, football, whatever that is, stay excited about it. If you stay excited about it, the people around you will get excited about it too. So, Well, and, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because and uh, in, in where we're going to go in the rest of our conversation today, I, I think this has the ability to play into that as well. But there, there are a couple different things there. You know, contagious means something is just caught. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, somebody walks into the room and sneezes – and expels something into the air and mm. somebody else through no other effort than that inhales it and now they have caught whatever has been given right and so we talk about how sometimes you know if you're at an event um the emotion of the event is contagious mm. you know okay. people get pumped up yep. because people around them are pumped up sure um but there are other times where things aren't simply caught there are times when people have to be led to a place. Okay. You know, and so you, throughout that event, you you led your family to that place. You know, because for you, it was very conscious. It wasn't just something accidental that happened, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, you are a primi- primarily positive person. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are a high energy person. You are all those things. Um, but it wasn't as if you went into this going... Um, oh, well, I'm just doing this and hopefully everybody's going to jump on Mm because that's what contagious is. You went in with the idea, the plan, the goal, sorry to use that word, Jeff, (laughs) of wanting your family to participate with you Mm -hmm. in this event. Mm -hmm. Well, the only way you can do that is if you lead them Mm -hmm. to participate in that event with you. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think sometimes we, we want people around us just to catch the contagion, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we, we think, well, but, it, but it takes more than that. Mm-hmm. Yes, they need to see us doing something that they would want to be involved in, but then they have to be led to that place. Yeah. You know, you've got a, a friend who's been working high school sports for years and you're like, man, they would be so good as a college official. I just don't get why, 
why they won't make the jump into collegiate officiating, mm-hmm. or collegiate umpiring, or whatever it might be. Well, maybe nobody's ever given them a roadmap for how to get there. Mm. Maybe they've not been led on how to take that next step. And we just think, well, man, they've seen me doing it. I mean, it's, you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Right, surely. Right, right. You know, uh, things like that. Sometimes even just the way we handle ourselves different places, you know, there are some people that are, are, more likely to be infected if we're going to use that mm. terminology, right? I do so like that. There are some of us who we soak everything up. Mm-hmm. And so when we watch somebody work, we're soaking all of it up. Yeah. And so we are, it's very easy to infect us with whatever you got. And sometimes that can be both positive and negative. Yeah. Sometimes those people are great at picking up on the positive things and learning and developing and growing from that. Sometimes those people are also the first one to get caught up in the negative if that's what's being spread yeah. around. There are other people that it, they have resistance. <laughs> you know, they, they don't pick up on those things as much. And so we have to help lead them. And we wonder, well, why is it that that Jim is picking up on all of this stuff so well? And look how he's advancing and Joe isn't. Mm-hmm. When they, they both have been to the same meetings and they've had the same training and they've you know d- done it for about the same amount of time. Well, maybe one of them is is more of a self-starter. One of them is, is more easily infected. Yeah. And the other one isn't. And so if I'm somebody who's wanting to lead both of those people, I may need to understand that, okay, well, this guy, you know, Jim picks it up. You know, he, he's, he's one of those contagious people. You know, he, he can just pick it up easily. Joe, I've got a, I've, I've got a, I've got to work harder. I've, I've got to help lead him where he needs to go. And I think some of that can even be true, even even just our, our crew meetings for a weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been I've been working baseball this summer where it's typically three of us on a crew for a three-day series, uh, occasionally a four. And um, we're together for that amount of time. And then we move on to the next crew for the next event. And most of the time, working working two series a week. And if you... If you look at some of those interactions, there's sometimes where, man, everybody gets it. And all three are, you know, they're on board and we're on the same page and we're clicking. And there's other times like, man, why is this other person not getting it? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the reason the other person isn't getting it is because the crew chief or whoever is kind of taking the lead isn't helping lead that person where they need to go. I would even argue that that person who is not... Uh, What's 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 afraid to be contagious? Yeah, <laughs> you know, as the other one is is could could lead to fear. Oh sure, the fear of doing something that they don't normally do can be paralyzing. Sure, and when even though they're out there, even though we've asked the same questions about the same two people about taking on collegiate officiating, what what's stopping the other one? And that is the fear. So. We have to find a way to get them past that fear, or they need to find a way to get past their fear. You know, that we don't realize it, and maybe you do, but I feel like I see it all the time. Is is there's so many people that are afraid, just of simple things. Simple. What you and I seem to be just a simple process. They're afraid, and they get paralyzed by it. Just to short, share a, a short story. One of the uh, uh, friends of mine that was uh, had some issues with potential workmates, mm. and I was talking to them, and you know, I was talking to actually 
her and her dad, we were all kind of in the car together. And she was just saying how, you know, I just, I don't know what to do. I'm not happy with how they're, you know, treating my friend. And, and I said, you just got to tell them. You just have to tell them what you're saying about my friend is not good. That, that's, you're, you're putting down my friend and I don't appreciate that. I'm okay if you feel that way. I just don't need you to tell me that. If you want to tell my friend that this is how I feel about you, then that's fine. But when you talk to me about that, then I, and she literally started like getting very, very flush, couldn't breathe, so much anxiety. Just, just me saying that out loud mm-hmm. was making her a hot mess. And then it got worse when she thought about actually having to do it. Yeah. And I don't know if she ever did it. But that's that's what happens. We 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 spend our time giving ourselves so much anxiety when it's really not that hard. Just say it out loud. Once you say it out loud, it's out there, and it's really not going to be that bad. And we get it in our head that it's going to be way worse mm-hmm. when we go to collegiate officiating. We get it in our head that it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be working with other people that know the rule book front and backwards, and never miss calls, and and coaches that know everything and know everyone. Well, that's just not the case, mm-hmm. but we get our, we get a set in our head there. So I, I, I think that would be, if you're looking for someone to lead you, the first thing you have to do is get past the fear. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm anxious. I want to, I want to bring this thought back later on in our conversation today, uh, because I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting, but we're going to talk for a little bit today about something that has definitely grabbed Jeff's attention yeah. over the last little bit. And I think it's grabbed a lot of people's attention. And I've, I've had people wonder, why is it that this event is such a big deal? Um, I, I think there are lots of reasons why. Um, some of you, just from the beginning, I want to acknowledge that some of you may disagree um, with some of the things that we're going to put out today. Mm. And by that, what I mean is we're going to talk about how... Um, in some ways, this event that we're talking about kind of takes sports back to its purest form, mm-hmm. its most basic form. And there's mm-hmm. some people get, that are going to say, nope, it's a multi-million dollar business. Yeah. And guess what it is? Mm-hmm. All right. We, we understand that almost all sports these days are big business. Yeah. Okay. Whether it's the, the local travel stuff mm-hmm. all the way up, somebody is making a living off of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that influences the decisions that are made, the things that are implemented, all of that. Um, But there is something special about this event that happens every year at the end of the summer. It's called the Little League World Series. Yes. Um, And it starts at local levels where you got your local towns playing against each other. Um, It goes from there uh, to where those towns put together all-star teams. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that just because a team is from, you know, Covina, California, Mm -hmm. that means all those kids played together all summer. No, they didn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. right. I'll tell you what they did. They played on 12 different teams, Mm -hmm. and then the all-stars from those teams got joined together to make a team that's going to go into this tournament. Yeah, they took two kids from each team. That's right. Right. And so, you know, those best kids from that area go into this tournament. They play at their state level. They go from their state level on. And uh, and then they end up the best of the best uh, from not only the U.S., but all over the world Mm -hmm. end up at this uh, incredible facility. Uh, If you've never seen it, it's unreal. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as just this incredible event Mm -hmm. um, where kids from all over the world get to come together and play baseball. And uh, for the most part, these are kids who are 11, 12 years old. 
and it is uh, it's amazing to to watch them. I find it just as amazing to watch the coaches and parents mm-hmm. and all of that mm-hmm. as there's you know 37 ESPN cameras all over them yeah. <laughs> during the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. So uh, we're going to be talking about that experience today from a few different perspectives. But mm-hmm. Jeff, why don't you just kick us off by telling us, you know, what is it about this event that draws your attention, that makes you excited about about checking it out? Yeah, well, I, I have to be perfectly clear. I watch the Little League World Series every year. Okay. I watch it every year. Um, it's very much one of the things that I like to do. I actually like to do that with uh, with my wife. You know, I, we, we, I'll pick her up at 4.30, and I'm like, all right, first game's, you know, I've been watching it all day, and, you know, the first game is going to start at 6, and there's two games, one at 6, one at 7, so I watch it. We watch it. Um, it's a great time to spend with, with my wife and not watching Netflix, I guess. So <laughs> so, so I, I, want, I want everyone to know that it's not something I just turned on this week and go, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. I'm, I'm definitely into the Little League World Series. For me – the biggest thing that attracts me to it is the the purity of the game. Okay. It kind of brings back the purity of the game. It brings back, you know, when a kid gets a ground ball that goes between his legs, he's holding back tears. Mm-hmm. You know, not always, but in in, in tough situations, when um, you know when a kid hits a home run, you know he is elated. He is, I mean. Everyone is excited for even if it's twelve to one, and that was the one home run that that, that kid hit. That it, the emotions that are being shown are truly pure. Not that we don't see pure emotions at higher level games, but I think you're you're just more mature and you understand when's time to celebrate, when's you know when to get frustrated. But I mean, I, I just I can you know name. 10 different situations where a kid's made a nice play and get up and he's smiling and he's giggling and, you know, he's high-fiving his teammate and, you know, all these things where if you go to a higher-level game, baseball, if we're just to stay on baseball, the kid makes the diving catch, you hear maybe, you know, in center field, and then all of a sudden you hear the right field, hey, good catch, that a boy, good job. And that's it, it's done. Mm-hmm. These kids are living for the moment. Now, some of it might be knowing that every camera is out there and there's a chance that I can make one catch and be on the top 10 of ESPN. And some of it could be because this, this may be their only chance. Yep. You know, there's many kids that play in the Little League World Series or Little League Baseball in general that baseballs are not the number one sport. Mm-hmm. So, they're listen, I'm going to go to college and play football or, or basketball or whatever. So this may be the only time they get a chance to be televised playing this game these there's lots of little kids that go on to play college baseball and even professional baseball but those are few and far between if we look at the true numbers of that so this is their chance this is their chance to you know and they they put a lot of pressure on themselves via themselves or the adults that are around them uh but it's it's so infectious for me to see a play and to see to listen to three adults announcing the game be very impressed by a play by an eleven-year-old. Yeah, and um, you know, baseball is—I uh, forget the one uh, the announcer's name, but he said it's 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 not um, it's not biased in any shape or form. You know, you can have a kid comes up who basically you know weighs in at seventy-eight pounds and four foot four, mm-hmm. or you know five foot tall, 
just skin and bones, and the guy next coming up after him is you know five eleven, one eighty. Yeah. So it's it's just not biased to how big you are. It's just about the skill level, and I think that's great that that we have the opportunity. If you want to play baseball, we don't have to. I don't have to have this football size physique, you know. So I just think that's great, and and they. The stories that I've seen and heard about, um, I'm gonna. So the first story that I have to share, and I'm sure everyone's heard about it, is, and maybe you haven't heard about it because I know you've been kind of busy buying this house. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you hear about the kid who fell off the bunk bed? No. So the first day there, the team gets there, and I, I I'm I'm. Ex- what where they're from? I have no idea. I didn't know they're. I know they're from the states. Okay, but he goes and he sleeps in the top bunk because they all have bunks, you know, for the whole teams to stay in. He falls off the top bunk, and is basically near death. Oh no! Yeah, straight to the hospital. I, I know I'm probably messing up some of the story, but the jits is he goes to the hospital. The hospital says we can't treat him here. Get a helicopter here. Take him to a bigger hospital. Take him to the bigger hospital. The doctor tells the parents, you know, what we're seeing right now, he's going to be lucky to make it. Mm. It's horrible. Oh, my gosh. So everyone buys in, right? So now they're all rooting for him. They're praying for him. You know, they're sending him good vibes. You know, we got big league players that are, you know, videoing messages to him. He's he's starting to make a recovery. He's clearly not out of the woods, but he's starting to make a recovery. But the cool thing about this is this, you know, his brother is what, or this, this guy is like, I'm assuming 11 or 12 years old. Okay. He's an older kid. I think you can even be 13 to be in the League World Series. So now they're a man short. Guess what happens? They bring up his little brother, who's 10, mm. to take his spot on the roster. I don't know, if, you know, I have no idea if they had to jump through some hoops or whatever it was, sure. but that's who they bring. And, you know, it brought everyone together. Like, well, okay, we're going to root for this kid. And now, guess what? Little 10-year-old brother who was just there, probably was there to watch, yep. you know, with his family. He's like, guess what? You're, you got a uniform. You're in, man. And, this, you know, his, his little brother is super, you know, worried about his older brother. But now he's in this game, you know. And he wasn't a starter, but he was there. He was part of the event. And it was so cool to see that. And obviously we're all happy that – um, the young gentleman that fell out of his, his his bed is on the mend. Yeah. But in for a long, long road. But it turned out to be, you know, a, a difficulty for older brother, a great story for a younger brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we get so much of these, uh, hu- they call them human interest stories, right? The things that mm-hmm. pique our interest. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this yeah. kind of stuff happens every day all over the place. Um, we just don't get the the focus on mm-hmm. it that we get during event like the uh, you know like the Little League World Series. You know they have the kids come up and do their introductions. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they say fun things, and then I've turned around and seen big leaguers uh, do that. You know, there was a kid a few years ago. He said, "My name's such and such, and I hit dingers." Yeah. You know, and <laughs> right. everybody saw like that was like the big thing for a while, and yeah. a couple years later there was a a minor league player that when he was doing their, their introductions, it would go up on their video boards. Mm-hmm. My name's Jamie and I hit dingers, <laughs> yeah, you know? Awesome. So I mean, here this, this kid, you know, yeah. it, it's not just the big leaguers influencing the kids. It's mm-hmm. the kids influencing, you know, the, the pros. And, you know, you brought up the idea that, you know, there's, uh, 
this kind of pure emotion from the game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for those of us that get caught up watching high level sports, we believe there's a, a certain protocol that should go into some of this stuff, sure. right? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a team that's up by 12 mm-hmm. with an inning left to play. That team is not going to steal a base. Right. Like they steal base, there's trouble, right? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, in an event like this, somebody gets on base and all of a sudden that that little brother mm-hmm. gets put in as the pinch runner mm-hmm. at first base. Sure. Nobody has a problem with that kid trying that's to steal right. base. Yep. You know, because for him that's that's his his one moment. It's his one thing, right? Yep. Right. We also know that when you're down by a dozen, you don't celebrate something good because you're trying to get the win. You haven't gotten there yet. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I coached at the little league level, Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. And, uh, the first year that we were in little league, it was a crazy to even have this, right. But it was an expansion team for the league, (laughs) which is just sounds so crazy. Right. (laughs) But what that meant was we had all 11 year olds, okay, except for a couple 12 year olds that hadn't played Mm. before. And so we were not a good team. I mean, we lost, game after game after game after game. And there was one kid who had not gotten a hit all year long. Hmm. I don't mean like had been hitting the ball well and just had gotten, you know, outs. No, I mean, the kid could not put a bat on the ball to save his life, but had a great attitude. All the other kids on the team were always rallying him around him. Hmm. You know, sometimes a kid like that comes up to bat and everybody else drops their head. Oh no, here's another out. They were never like that. I mean, they were cheering for him. He was one of the fastest kids on the team. Neat kid. And so we're down. I mean, we're it's going to be a run rule game. Yeah. You know, like we may be getting beat by 12 in the fourth inning or something. I have no idea. We were just getting crushed. This kid comes up with two outs. And he gets just this little squirty seeing eye single into right field. You would have thought both by his reaction and the dugout's reaction that he had just hit the home run to win the Little League World Series. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they understood what a big moment that was for him. Yep. And parents on the other side are looking at our team like, what a bunch of idiots. Yeah, right. What are but we you doing? know what? Those kids didn't care. That's right. Mm-hmm. They were cheered. I was jumping up and down over mm-hmm. the third base coach's box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so excited for this kid. And so that's some of the emotion, you know, that you're talking about. That's some of the reaction that we get that it doesn't necessarily fit the mold of what we expect to see happen. And so, you know, I I love that. I love that part of what draws you to this event is the fact that there is this kind of pure essence of what we think sport should be. And the fact that you don't have to be a six foot six point guard, Mm -hmm. like you had to be, you know, well, what would have been the tallest center Mm -hmm. in my high school now isn't tall enough to be a point guard in the NBA. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. um, But there's also another element of this that I find really interesting because we are taking this this game that's meant to be played at a pure level, at a local level and all. And now we are putting all of these cameras on it. Mm -hmm. It's now under a microscope like it's never under a microscope. Right. And we we have seen a ton of critique of officiating, of coaching decisions, of things that players have done and haven't done and all that. And I I just love to get your take on you know wh- what what you think about some of that especially as it relates to the officials that are on the field. Yeah, I mean I think you're right. There has been some scrutiny online from the officiating no different than any other game. That's right. I mean, you put the 
any Cubs game or Sox game, there's people being scrutinized for those umpires. For me, I wonder, you know, because and, and, I, I was really, I was wondering, because I know there's always been the volunteers, umpires have been volunteers. I didn't know if that had changed over COVID. They're still volunteers. They actually mm-hmm. just announced it maybe yesterday or two days ago. I heard them say it. I'm like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? They're still volunteers. But in... I don't know any of these umpires. I have never even seen one work until they become umpires for the World Series. Just by me reading body language, some of them, I feel like they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect mm-hmm. because they don't have the the childlike emotions like, hey, listen, I'm just out here, man. I, I got a chance to make a top 10. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're 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 putting themselves under pressure because no one likes to be told they're wrong. Yeah. Especially when you're in a position of authority, you don't want to make a wrong decision. Um, so I think, you know, as as I, the phrase I use, when you're in your own head, you're behind enemy lines. Sometimes these umpires are are doing that. They're getting behind enemy lines, in the distractions of cameras and people yelling. And let's face it, most of these umpires. These are the biggest crowds they've ever worked in front of. Mm-hmm. You go to any little league. I mean, I can only speak for my area. You go to a simple little league game, even in the big town in Bradley Bourbonnet, you're going to show up on a on a Tuesday night, 7 o'clock game. There's going to be about 35, 40 people there. Maybe 50 to 100 if it's really a big game. That's it. Yep. They, they got, you know, they got families that are bringing 100 people. <laughs> And there's 15 people on a roster. So it's really, really a big deal. And you can put yourself behind the eight ball there on those situations. But to me, one of the greatest things they've got figured out in Little League Baseball and officiating is instant replay. It When you go to instant replay in a Little League game, it's literally decided within a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that quick. And it's really not that big a deal because they go, and if they and and if it gets overturned, you don't lose a challenge mm-hmm. or a, whatever a review or whatever that is. So, so you get two of them. Yep. And the game's only six innings long. So hey, I you know I challenge one you know two this, I, mean, I could challenge two or three plays in one inning. Yep. So it's 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 covered. Don't worry. We're gonna make sure it's right for you if you want to do that. But if you've truly watched the Little League World Series. I'm just, you know, giving some some guesstimates. If there was 20 replays, I bet only four or five of them were overturned. That's it. That I can, that I can see. A lot of them are correct. Correct call, correct call. You know, so and as Joe West said many years ago when they put in replay, now he's retired. You know, he said I asked him what he thought of replay. He goes, he loves it. He goes, why is that? He goes, proves how right we are most of the time. Mm-hmm. And we are. The umpires are right. It's just... In, you know, even in the announcing of the game. So when you watch a big league game and a pitch is just outside the K zone and an umpire calls it a strike, the announcer's like, I can't believe he called that a strike. In a little league game, same announcers, same people. Yep. Umpire calls a pitch that is literally in the other batter's box. That announcer says, caught the outside corner. Why do we treat that differently? Only thing that does for me as a fan and what I'm just as, a, as an outsider looking in, 
it's it's those announcers are trying to cause controversy so more people will tune in. Yeah. In Little League, they don't have to cause controversy. Everyone's watching. Yeah. They don't have to. No one's really watching Big League Baseball like they're watching this two weeks of Little League Baseball. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe they're led to do that. I don't know. But I, I love it. I love the fact that we have human aspects in umpires. I wish maybe they've had some more training, whether that be mental training, not just balls and strikes, outs and safes. You know, and we've talked about this before. Those guys that are guys and gals that are volunteering every day when they walk in the field, they're probably working with two umpires, maybe just themselves. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we get to the championship and we get to this two week of tournaments, and there's four of you out there, and you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to be going. What am I doing? Yep, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard, hard. And you know, I I have seen some of the, you know, the comments on social media about you know, and even there's like newspaper articles. People are writing articles about how. How can these umpires do this? And Little League Baseball is dropping the ball on, on these umpires. You know, it's real simple for me. When I see that, when I see that headline, next next headline. I don't mm-hmm. even read it. Because that's just them trying to get you to click on it so you'll read it and start a little argument. So I'm, I'm not on board with it. Well, I, I would agree with that. But I would also say that that is a prevailing attitude. Um, I found it really interesting and I was able to relate it to this um, pretty quickly. So two nights ago, we're recording this on a Friday. So there was a Wednesday night game and I believe it was the Cardinals and the Cubs that were playing each other on Wednesday night. There was a play, uh, a call by the home plate umpire. Uh, went against the Cardinals. The only reason I know that is because of the one of my friends who's a fan of the Cardinals that chose to respond <laughs> to this event, right? Okay. So he did it. The player responded in a way that was not allowed by rule. The umpire ejected him, Okay. right? And my, my friend on social media put out a thing saying... Uh, Major League Baseball's got to get a handle on their umpires. There is no accountability for them. They can make a call that they obviously know is wrong, then eject a player for the player saying that they're wrong, and then smirk at them as they... So he he knows that what he did was wrong because of the way he smirked. Now, it's a great reminder to us as officials that our body language matters. Yeah. Right? Um, my son was working a junior high baseball game the other day. A kid jumps up to catch a ball at first base, comes down right on top of the bag. Okay. And the runner then crosses first base, so he calls him out. Well, the fans are all looking at the orange safety base. Of course. That the runner <laughs> is running to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fielder comes down on top of the what should be white first base. Right. Now, it's a dusty, dirty junior high field, so that base is about the same color as all the dirt around it. Right. right? Yeah. The, the orange shows up really well. The, the, uh, the fans start, oh, he never, even, he never even touched the bag, blah, blah, blah. So my son is dying laughing. He, he, or, you know, on the inside. Sure. Right? He looks at me, and he just smirks. Because he's smirking about the idiotic statements that mm-hmm. the fans are making. Mm-hmm. And one of the fans goes, see, he knows he got it wrong. He just smiled about it. Yeah. Like, really, people? Yeah, like that's, but, but it's a reminder for us as officials that 
that people are watching us. Yeah. And they're, they're watching our response. But this is what my friend said about that umpire in that Major League Baseball game. It should be totally appropriate for Molina to call a high fastball and let it go to hit the umpire. Unbelievable. Now, I had an even bigger struggle with this because the person that wrote that uh, claims to be a, a believer, which for me is a, a big deal. I work in that world. <laughs> yeah. He actually owns a company that does stuff for churches. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yet on social media, he is saying that people should be assaulted. Yeah. So like, I never respond on social media ever. Mm-hmm. I just don't because I never see anything positive coming from it. Buddy, I responded that night. Yeah. I was like, seriously? I said, I'm really glad that when I make a mistake at my job, people aren't allowed to assault me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, so they said, well, this is ridiculous. You know, you brought up Joe West. You know, people like Joe West and Angel Hernandez making the game all about them. I said, number one, there is greater accountability in sports than you realize for officials. Sure. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. You don't hear. Secondly, Joe West had one of the highest ball strike percentages in the history of the game. Yeah. Nobody sees that. Nobody understands it. Nobody understands that sometimes when it looked like he was interjecting himself, it's because he was protecting a young member of his crew mm-hmm. or doing things. I mean, I mean, it just it, it, it blows my mind that people were advocating violence. Mm-hmm. Like, like something that not only could have ended that person's career, but has the potential to end their life. Yeah. You take a high fastball the wrong place. Yep. Guess what? Yeah. You're, you're done. Yeah. You know? And I, I was just so blown away that somebody that I, I consider a friend, somebody that I consider to be a, a smart guy, yep. he was so caught up in his fandom at the moment. Mm-hmm. That, that was his initial response. Yeah. And I think we've seen that in the Little League World Series. There are people that are so caught up in their fandom, whether it's fandom of the event, fandom of their team, uh, fandom just of the sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that they go, well, this is ludicrous. They can't allow pitches being called six inches outside to be a strike. Well, I guarantee you, any kid that's played Little League this year <laughs> has had a pitch six inches outside called a strike. Yeah. Because, Maybe even further. Yeah. Because. In, in these games where they start playing, remember we're just two out of each team are good enough to make some of these teams. Right. There aren't enough kids that can throw strikes. Yeah. The, the umpires have to find them someplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and guess what? It makes the kids better because it teaches them how to foul off a pitch. Yeah. It teaches them how to take mm-hmm. a ball the other way. Yeah. All those kinds of things mm-hmm. are actually beneficial to their development as a player. Yeah. No college coach is looking at a 12 year old going, oh, I'm not going to give them a scholarship because they don't have good command of the zone as a hitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, they just want to see people putting the bat on the ball. Yeah, right. And I don't know that college coaches are even watching 12-year-olds. Absolutely. You know, if they are, which I don't know. I don't keep in track. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there listening going, oh, yeah, my my great-great-nephew is getting looked at by the Braves, and he's, you know, just out of T-ball. Whatever. That happens very, very rarely. Mm-hmm. And no one is losing their scholarship or losing their their pro contract because an umpire has called a pitch that we finally was able to call a strike six inches off the plate because of that. So, um, you know, and another thing, you know, as you say, they're wrapped up in the fandom, right? I've seen many, many times, and I've talked about this, I believe, on the podcast, but we got first-base coaches in the Little League World Series 
every time we have a close play, they're throwing their arms out safe. Mm-hmm. Every time. If it's close, they throw it out safe. And this is, you know, my philosophy. That means the first base coach is trying to convince me as an umpire that they're safe. Yep. Because if they're truly safe, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know they're safe. And it's the evil person in me is smiling from ear to ear. When they do this, they go and challenge it, and they're out. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And, and I told Gina, my wife, I said, if I was a coach in this in this arena here, one of the first things I would tell my first base coach, listen, I need you to do one thing over there. Stay neutral. Mm-hmm. Do not get involved in the game and cheer for a kid to get the first base. I need you to look at the play in its purest form because I only get two of these challenges. And if I look over every close play and you're doing this and you're and you're buying in, you don't have the composure to say, hey, listen, hey, he might, I said safe, but he might have been out. You know, I need you to really look at the play. Yeah. So that way we can use those in, in the right time. And it just happens. It happens. And again, that probably comes from when they started playing in April and they had one umpire and they just threw their arms out. And that one umpire who it's their third game of the their whole life said, yeah. oh, first base coach said safe. Yeah, we're going to go safe. And that's what they did. So everyone's learning in those things. So um, I don't know, but I want to make sure I share a couple more good stories sure. about Little League World Please Series. Do it. You know, in um, the... Uh, you know, there's many good stories, but another story that to me that is really, really exciting is um, Nick I'm going to say this country wrong. Nick Nicaragua. There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> had had team in the World Series. Now they've since been eliminated, but they could only have they were via visas. You know, whatever it is, getting to the countries, getting to the United States, only one parent could make it okay so they get you know we're on tv we're on espn espn2 and uh people watching it in the local area in pennsylvania catch wind of this they don't they only have one fan there that's all they got so everyone from nicaragua thank you very much (laughs) finds out about this and they said we want to go support our country and now, instead of one parent or dad or grandpa or whoever came with the team, they have all these local supporters there because they're from that country and they're rooting for them. And what a great concept. You know, we, I've said in, in our realm of Grace Christian Academy, our school, I said one of the things we, we really uh, struggle with, and it may struggle with a lot of schools, we have fans of players, not of the team. Mm-hmm. these people that came were fans of the team and they were coming to watch these kids play. They didn't, they didn't know any of them. They're, mm-hmm. they're rooting for the team. And I think we need more of that, you know? So what, I mean, just, it was really cool. And then, so this one person that was able to go was able to, so he would have like these conference calls and update everyone, you know, via text or FaceTime or whatever. And so, okay, this is what happened. And, you know, and so-and-so Billy threw, uh, you know, a hunt, you know, 80 pitches and he only gave up two hits and, you know, all these things, giving those updates. Plus he's able to tell them the good news about the local people coming to support them. It was really, really neat to see. So, um, and we even experienced a little bit of that 
at the Colt League World Series. Absolutely. There were teams that traveled in from other countries and didn't have a fan base. And so yeah. local organizations mm-hmm. actually adopted them. Yeah. You know, I remember Team Germany yeah. uh, had a, a, a local group there that adopted them. And so they showed up and they were the fans yeah. at every single game. And that was that was so neat to get to see. I mean, again, the purest form of the game. That's mm-hmm. for me. That's why I like watching it. I'm OK with watching umpires make a few mistakes. You know, you know, I can I can go, oh, yeah, that's like they missed it. You know, and it's real easy when I'm sitting on my easy chair making these decisions. Yeah. Um, but it just. It, it teaches a kid adversity. It teaches, uh, you know, I don't know how much we see, how much we're, you know, of moms and dads that are actually the fans being belligerent. I don't know how much that happens on the Little World Series. I feel like they keep a pretty tight string on it. They keep their microphones out of the stands, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's, I think the, the word spreads pretty quickly. Yeah. Listen, ESPN could be here, through here at any time interviewing someone. There could be a camera at, at you at any time. So the last thing we need you to do is act a fool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just keep your composure. And some of that could be the reason these teams are there is because they're surrounded by people that are keeping their composure. Well, and you know for a fact that they are aware of it by the way the coaches are communicating with their players. The coaches are all mic'd. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the, I, and I love it, some of the conversations that a coach will have with a batter. Before the batter goes up to bat, yeah. you know it's all made for TV. Oh, sure. Like that is not happening on a typical Thursday night yeah. in their little league. But you know what? I'm okay with that. That's right. Because guess what? It's promoting the best part yeah. of the game, it's mm-hmm. promoting the best part of sport. That's right. In general. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that, you know, I have no, I have no issues whatsoever when. Like you said, these clickbait articles go out. Yeah. You know, oh, the umpires screwed this up and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you where I have an issue with it. Where I have an issue with it is when it's other officials that are yeah. doing it to those officials. Mm-hmm. You know what? Okay, you work you work college baseball. Great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. You work at the small college level and you work 30 games a year. We put you on that little league field. With all those ESPN cameras on you. Yeah. And let's see if some of the pitches that you call strikes are off the plate. That's right. Yeah. Because guess what? They might be. Mm-hmm. You know? And you could very easily miss a wide open play at first base. That's right. <laughs> you know, it happens. And and I wish that we would learn as officials. I'm not saying that we have to come to their defense as far as what their call was. Oh, mm-hmm. no. That was the right call. Well, obviously, it wasn't the right, right. call. Yeah. You know, that that's not what I want us to. But. When we begin tearing each other down, Mm -hmm. there's typically one of two reasons for it. One is jealousy. I think it's the biggest reason why. Could be. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, I could do better than them. You know, whatever, right? Um, The the second reason that I I see it happening so much is because we believe that somehow when we put them down as an official, it makes us a better official. They're... Mm -hmm. You know, that idea of I'm better than them means not just, oh, well, then look, I'm obviously better than Little League World Series umpire because mm-hmm. I would not have called that pitch a strike. Yeah. Well, let's let's get video of your last 10 games and <laughs> see right. if we missed it. Because I'm telling you, I have. I yeah. missed them. Yeah. You know, we all have, right? absolutely I have. I was, I was at a. I was at a game the other day. I talked to the coach. They do pitch tracks for all of our stuff and everything. And so I was at third base the next day. I said, hey, can I get a copy of my printout? Yeah, absolutely. He said, you know you had a blind spot yesterday? Hmm. 
Oh, what do you mean by that? There was one spot. It's about an inch off the plate, about thigh high. Every time a ball hit that spot, you called it a strike. If it was two inches higher or two inches lower on that same vertical spot, mm-hmm. you never called it. Never call it straight. It's it's like you had it's like you had a blind spot. Mm. My immediate reaction to him was, "Man, thank you so much for telling me that." Mm-hmm. I said, "When I get that print, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to look at that. I'm going yeah. to try to make sure that's better." And he started laughing at me. I'm like, "What are you What are you laughing at?" He said, "You're the first umpire I've said anything to all season that didn't try to then explain to me why that was a strike." Right. Well, you know, the, the box isn't the same for every person and it's not this and yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. He said, I said, like, I, I just want to get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if mm-hmm. there's something I'm missing, mm-hmm. I want to know that. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have a blind spot next time. Sure. And if I have a blind spot the next time I'm here, please tell me. <laughs> like, let me know. Yeah. For one, this is, this is a coach I trust. He's not a guy that just blows up and acts a fool or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, um, his, his team is not having the best season. Okay. So it's not like he's doing it, try to get an edge up for the postseason or sure. something like that. You know, he just, he, he just being honest. Yeah. I mm-hmm. asked him the question. He was honest with me. I take a look at the printout. It's accurate. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he seems to be right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and we move on and we try to get better. So I, I think we as officials, and we've talked about this before, but we have to be better at supporting one another. Even if it's just as simple as saying, Man, kudos to them for having the courage mm. to go out and work that game. Yeah. Kudos to them for giving up two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, you know, of their vacation time or whatever. They're not getting paid. Yeah, they're putting them in a hotel. Yeah, I'm sure they're getting their uniforms, whatever, sure, right? Whatever, but they're right. but yeah. they're not making money off this deal. No. N- nobody gets to go on a book tour after working the Little League World Series. That's right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not making money off this thing. And I think I think we need to be encouraging them, supporting them uh, far more than we need to be critiquing them. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with you 100. percent And I don't know if this is going to be off topic, but I think we need to be stronger with those officials that are saying things like that on, on social media. Thank even, you for that. Even if they're saying it in person. Yeah. We need to be stronger with those people. And, you know, the whole, right, the phrase, if you if you uh, walk with the lame, you'll develop a limp. Well, if I keep hanging around umpire A that is talking about throwing one at the umpire's chest on purpose, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be walking with you. I do not want to develop a limp. That's not, not a, uh, something I want to do. So we need to be stronger with those kind of people in our lives if we're truly looking to be on common. Yeah. Well, this brings us back to that early conversation. Those types of comments, it's easy for them to be con- contagious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to point out fault. Mm-hmm. Right? And we said, you know, there's some things that we can we can pick up. It's easy you can be easily infected by the contagion, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's where we if we really want to be on common, we have to lead people someplace else. Yeah. We have to lead them away from that thought process. Yeah. We have to lead them towards a better option. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it is just simply saying, man, can you imagine how much pressure those folks are under? Mm-hmm. You know, can, can, can you imagine what it would be like to have this many people watching your plate game today? Right. Yeah, man, man, that's got to be that's got to be tough. Sometimes it's as simple as as is just 
say, you know what, man, you know, it's fine you feel that way, but you just need to know I've got tons of respect for those people. I just really don't want to hear those kinds of comments. Well, like I said at the very beginning, you know, that that person that was having a problem at work, it just made them melt Mm -hmm. just thinking about confronting that situation. I don't know what I would have done in that situation, but my instinct is I would call them out. I would call them out and say, listen, what you're doing is unacceptable. What you're doing is, is, is something that I don't want to be any part of. So from now on, let's just sever until you can come to a different mindset because I don't want to develop a limp by walking with the lane. Um, that's my, that's my instinct. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but I've said for many, many years in order for us to achieve uncommon, we have to follow the right people. You're not going to be uncommon by sitting around these groups of people. Even, even if it's something simple as playing fantasy football, and you're in fantasy football that costs you know zero dollars to get in, and it's just a fun thing to do. And you sit around and watch football on Sunday afternoon, and you complain about the refs making a call because it's messed up your fantasy football team. Get out of the stupid fantasy football team. It, it's doing you no good. It's not making you a better person. So those are the kind of things that I wish we could change. Um, so I got one last good story. Yeah. So I, I know we've been getting kind of long, but. There's a team, I believe they're from Tennessee. I believe they're from Tennessee, and they will be playing in the uh, the championship, United States championship game tomorrow. Okay. There's a kid who's, I think, 11 or 12, right? You know, a starter is blind in one eye, completely blind, not legally blind. He does not have, he has an eyeball in there, but he's blind. If you watch him, if you just put the camera on him, you could see that he clearly has no no vision out of his right eye. This kid lost his vision. Um, they, said, they said the story, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but there was an accident mm-hmm. where he had some sort of shavings. Something went in his eye, got cut, had to get stitches, had to you know get some cornea stuff done, ultimately ended up losing his vision or in his right eye at a, at a young age of like, five or six. Okay. We, this kid's out there now, this kid's out there playing in the Little mm-hmm. League World Series and is a starter and is one of the best kids on the team. Actually hit a home run. I believe it might have even been a grand slam, mm. you know, to put them up by four. Under all this pressure with one eye. Mm-hmm. We won't go for a walk because our big toe hurts. We'll convince ourselves to not do something because my back's bothering me a little bit. This kid is a true inspiration to everyone. This is not something that should be hidden. This is something that should be told by everyone or told to everyone. Every time you're thinking about, I don't think I'm going to go work out today. I don't think I'm going to work an extra hour in the office. You know, I'm just too tired, whatever. This kid's doing it with one eye. He didn't give up. He didn't give in to the circumstances. Go, ah, you know, I only got one eye, so I can't play baseball. I'll just be a, you know, whatever, whatever he wants to do. But he, he, he enjoyed playing sports. And again, that's what's so great about baseball. You know, not only can you be five foot tall, seventy eight pounds, you can also be five foot tall, seventy eight pounds, and only have one eye and still play the game. Great, great story. So, um, 
I, I encourage everyone to Google that story. I'm pretty sure it's Tennessee. Get it from Tennessee. And just know that, you know, we're way tougher than we believe we are. And if a 12-year-old can do it, how come our 50-year-old self tells us we can't? Because it's too easy. It's just easy for me to say I can't do it. And I, I had this conversation with our school. Because I'm still involved in our school. I don't want you mm-hmm. to think that I'm not involved in school. And I had a conversation with uh, the new athletic director and the assistant. We were talking about that the boys had a soccer game on a Tuesday. They're kind of short-handed. I think they only got whatever, 12, 13 kids, whatever. You need 11 for a, a full team. He, they had some injuries, had some people, you know, whatever it is. So they're down below mm-hmm. eleven. And uh, she says to me, the Carrie, our new athletic director, she goes, uh, "Yeah, we might have to cancel our game on Thursday." And I said, "Why is that?" So, well, we're you know, we're hurt, we're kind of short staffed, and you know, I said, "Well, what about?" I said, "Let's find out what the legal limit is to start." Found that that number seven for you soccer officials out there. You know, if you start with seven, you could still play. And if I'm wrong, send me an email at Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you very much. So she, she was like very concerned. Oh, well, I don't know. So we found out at seven. I said, so if we got eight guys, nine guys that have been practicing and ready to play, why would you take that game away from them? The, the moms and dads, they're all ready to watch their kid play. What if you've got, you know, three bench players that don't get a chance to play much and now we're going to start, mm-hmm. even if it is only with eight or nine guys? They're ready to start. They get a chance to play. Why do you want to cancel? It just doesn't make sense to me. And then, to me, this is this is like almost my answer to everything now. She says to me, well, I'm really worried and I'm really afraid that, you know, what if we have a few more kids get hurt? You know what my answer is? What if we don't? Mm-hmm. What if we don't? Why are you always thinking that more kids are going to get hurt? Why are we always thinking that more kids are going to be ineligible? I think I think we gotta we gotta think neutrally anyway. Mm-hmm. I'd say, listen, they may not get hurt. Yeah, we may get more kids. So again, if if a kid can go play in the Little League World Series with one eye and be a, a very a way above average player, then we can go play with seven or eight guys. Yeah. Couple takeaways for everybody today as we wrap up this episode of the Uncommon Drive podcast. Uh, number one, uh, I think it'd be awesome the next time you take the quarter of the field uh, to remember the purity of the sport that attracted you to it to begin Ooh, with. Good one. I like you know, it. I like it. Uh, when you're out there, if you're thinking about that, you're far more likely to have a smile on your face. You're far more likely to communicate effectively when we just enjoy what goes out there. Yep. Second thing is then lead other people to do that. You know, be contagious yeah. in the way that you express that to others. And some people will pick it up right away. They're easily infected. Other people, you're going to have to lead them there. Mm-hmm. But let's let's do that. Let's, let's be the difference, not the norm. Uh, and then uh, lastly, uh, don't look for things to stop you. Uh, don't, don't say, well, yeah, but my big toe's hurting. I'm, I'm not going to go take the walk. Uh, yeah, I've, I've only got one eye. You, you can't see a, a pitched baseball well if you've only got one eye. Yeah, uh, whatever that limitation is that everybody else would like you to be able to use for your excuse not mm-hmm. to do something, uh, ignore it. If it's something yep. that you have an uncommon drive to do, then uh, the only way you'll be successful is by going and doing it. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Everybody, hope you have an awesome week. Looking forward to coming to you next week with the last episode of season one. Mm. Not last episode of The Uncommon Drive. That's right. But last episode of season one. Next week, we're going to be wrapping up 
um, all of the things that we've learned, that we've heard, that we're excited about, that we're uh, looking forward to in season two. Uh, We actually started season one in October of last year. We wanted to line up our our, uh, podcast season a little bit more with the academic athletic calendar that comes out. And so we're going to be then kicking off season two right after that. But looking forward to sharing with you some of the things that we've learned, thought, felt, and look forward to hearing from all of you as you pursue uh, your life, your legacy, and leading others well uh, through the lens of sports officiating. See y'all. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.